Ready to make a difference in the lives of fathers and their families? The Show Up Dad podcast empowers the next generation of dads to lead with confidence and love. Your support and our amazing partners help us to create lasting impact. Consider donating 50, 100, or 250 to provide a dad with essential resources. And speaking of incredible partners, let us introduce you to Tallman Equipment. Since 1952, Tallman Equipment has been standing taller than the rest of competition in lineman tools. They provide top quality equipment and solutions for linemen, ensuring safety and efficiency on the job. If you're in need of reliable and durable tools, look no further than Tallman Equipment. Also, don't forget to check out our online shop at theshowupshop.myshopify.com for high quality products that support our cause. From t-shirts and hoodies, stickers, and even children's clothes, we have something for everyone. Not only will we be showing your support for our cause, but you'll also be getting a high quality product that you'll love. To learn more about what we do, visit theshowupdadfoundation.org. You can also find Lyman Tools at tallmanequipment.com. Thank you for your generosity, and let's empower dads and build stronger families. Welcome to the Show Up Dad podcast, where we celebrate extraordinary fathers who overcome challenges and show up for their families. I'm your host, David Mendoka, and today we have a very special guest joining us. Chancellor Mills, also known as Chance, is a devoted husband, loving father to four, and recently became a proud grandfather. Chance's journey as a lineman has taken him across the country, giving him a deep appreciation for his trade. In May 2018, Chance's life took an unexpected turn when a helicopter crash left him facing unimaginable challenges. Through nine surgeries and seven blood transfusions, Chance's faith in God never wavered. Today, he shares his story of resilience, faith, and the strength of family bonds. Join us as Chance opens up about his journey to healing and his mission to advocate for safety in his industry. Get ready to be inspired by his unwavering spirit and determination to make a positive impact. So without further ado, let's dive into this extraordinary episode of the Show Up Dad podcast with our special guest, Chance Mills. Welcome, Chance. It's an honor to have you on here, brother. Welcome, man. Thank you. I appreciate it a lot. I know we yeah. met at the, at the Lyman Rodeo, and, you know, when you shared what you did, you know, that was very inspiring, you know, because us dads, you know, and Lyman, you know, we got to we don't feel appreciated sometimes, right? So, because we feel like we need to take care of our families. And how we know how to do that is just work, 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 right? So, yeah. yeah. So, I'm glad we can finally connect, right? So. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, thank you once again, man. I mean, you got a crazy story to tell us, you know, and share with our audience, so. Let's get right into it, bro. Just tell us your journey as a lineman and the experiences that have shaped your appreciation for this amazing trade that we we work in, brother, if you don't mind. Yeah. So I started off in 2007 in July and I did I knew about linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, in January, we had a, a recent ice storm here in Missouri, in southwest Missouri, and it pretty much crippled the, uh, the town. Mm-hmm. And linemen from all over come and helped us out right and my uncle he used to work for the uh, uh department of labor mm-hmm. so he's like hey you know you need to look into an apprenticeship program i'm like all right we can do that so he was in south dakota at the time 
and he hooked me up with a company out there. Um, so in about July 2007, I applied for the company and they said, all right, we'll show up in Colorado. And I'm like, oh man, like I'm 23 years old, like been at home my whole life. And so I'm getting ready to leave home and no telling when I'm coming back. Right. So, yeah. uh, come straight off the streets, um, just as a groundman, you know, work my way up, uh, got to see a lot of, a lot of beautiful countryside. Right. Um, yeah. So it was kind of cool, you know. I didn't spend a lot of money in in the uh, line trade and the line schools, right? Because um, mm-hmm. back then, when that was two thousand seven. That was still about fifteen thousand dollars, and I think it's close to thirty now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's pretty crazy, but I was able to see stayed a lot of a lot of time in like Colorado, um, South Dakota, North Dakota. Stayed up up north a lot, right? Yeah. Um, and the crazy thing is, is I had this one foreman, right. And man, I prayed every day, like he would just retire, you know, cause he was so hard <laughs> on me and yeah. I, I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back him being hard on me, he wanted me to succeed in this trade. So I was like, after I've looked back on that, I was like, all right, I can appreciate that quite a bit. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, that's pretty much my journey. I I uh mm-hmm. I went into after I got done with my uh, apprenticeship program through that company, we were able to do uh, on the job training, so I didn't have to worry about any school schooling. Um, and then so I got a ticket through them, and then went to a couple other companies. Got tried to get closer to home, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, four years being away from home, I'd come home on major holidays. So, and that wasn't much time, you know, especially yeah. 16 hours away, um, pretty much get a weekend at home and then got to go back. So I started trying to get closer to home, uh, went to a couple different companies. And then, um, at first I was like, you know what, I'm going to give up the line trade. I'm going to work at home because I met my wife, my current wife now, um, and I was like, I'm going to work in a couple of factories, you know, just make ends meet. Right. Yeah. Well, she found my job that we'll get into here in a little bit later. Um, uh, so, but yeah, that's kind of, kind of the backstory of, of where, how I got into the trade and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. Now you said something that caught my interest with the, the guy who your foreman, right. Who is really rough on you and praying, you know, that the guy would retire. Cause I mean, I could relate, man. I had a couple dudes that were like that. And it's like, Holy smokes, this old guy, he better go away or I'm got to go away or something. You know what I mean? Cause they're just rough, rough. Right. You know? Yeah. How did that affect you? You know, being a lineman, you know, did you feel like you needed to, pass that on and be the same way because i always look at it in a standpoint is you know if you don't know you don't know and you're going to do the same thing do exactly what you were shown right and it's the same thing in fathering right so were you carrying that as well into when you became a lineman and and you know dealing with your apprentices and stuff like that did you treat guys like that or did you do better i carried it a little bit Mm -hmm. um 
so a guy at my my church at the time he was yeah. a retired lineman right mm-hmm. and he had he mentioned something to me and that stuck with me throughout the years and he says he said take bits and pieces of each person you work with mm-hmm. and mold it into your your own way of work right mm-hmm. so I was like, man, that really stuck with me quite a bit. And so I've, I've tried to do that in my line career, right? And pass that on to yeah. the apprentices that I had to deal with over mm-hmm. the years, right? Because everybody has their own way of working. Yeah. And sometimes these younger generations, they have a faster way of doing it or a better way of doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always told them, look, here's how I would do it. If you find a better way and a faster way, by all means, go for it, man. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, you definitely can learn something from everyone, even if it's the way not to do it, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly something that I always try to tell my apprentices. You, you know, there's no such thing as not learning anything from anybody. Yeah, you know I mean, you're going to there's there's you're going to learn something that day, you know, even if it's yes. not doing it that correct or doing it that way. You know, so right. Yeah. You know. Now I know you kind of briefly touched on, you know, this incident that happened to you, this helicopter crash that you, you mm-hmm. experienced it, right? Now that must have been like a life altering event, brother. How did you find the strength to overcome the challenges that followed all, all that whole incident? It was tough, I gotta uh-huh. tell you, because you know, they, when you have something happen like that, mm-hmm. and not even necessarily even a helicopter crash, just tough times in general, right? In life and mm-hmm. fatherhood and stuff, you know, you got two ways, two roads you can go down. Mm-hmm. You can go down the dark road and just bottle everything up and just kind of shelter yourself from other people, right? Yeah. Or you can basically accept it accept what happened to you right Mm -hmm. and find the good in things that's the hardest part in life in general right and that was the hardest thing to do from my helicopter crash was find the good i haven't found it yet i can tell you that much but yeah um i'm working on it trying to find it Mm -hmm. yeah or some of the events that led up to that crash, if you don't mind, just give us a, a, a backstory a little bit, like the events leading up to it and stuff like that, if you don't mind. Yeah, no. Um, so we were working for a company down south of Louisiana, mm-hmm. and we were inspecting all their uh, power lines, right? Okay. So because it was coming into their their peak season, mm-hmm. so they wanted to inspect all the power lines in their grid to make sure... They weren't going to have any issues whenever the the heat of the summer come on, mm-hmm. and so we were we were down on that system for several months. Um, it took it took about probably three months probably to inspect all their all the power lines. We had about four helicopters doing it all together, right? Because we were spread out between three different states. Um, so that day, the day of the crash. Um, it was a perfect day. I mean, nothing seemed out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes you get that gut feeling that something's yeah. wrong. Uh, nothing happened, man. I mean, nothing. Everything is perfect. Perfect day. 
it was probably 50 degrees that morning, you know, and warmed up a little bit. So it, it was good. Mm-hmm. We only had about three hours worth of work that day. It was a Sunday. We're going to get that done. Be off the rest of the day. Go relax, right? Yeah. We've been putting in some hours trying to get all this work done. Um, so when we were actually training a guy um, that was recently new to the company, mm-hmm. I think he'd been with the company about six weeks. And I had him on my crew for about a month. So I was pretty much the foreman of the company or of the, of the crew. Right. Yeah. Um, so me and the, the boss and the pilot had talked the night before, and this was relatively easy work that we were going to accomplish. Um, Mm -hmm. so after we inspected all the lines, the power company was like, Hey, can you fix some of the issues that you guys have found? And a lot of issues was just bringing the static back up to the top of the poles or Mm -hmm. just adding a shackle or something like that, right? Something relatively easy. So we're like, yeah, we can do that. We can handle it. Um, So me and the pilot and one of the big bosses sat down and talked and we're like, hey, perfect time for this guy to to get out there and tread the waters and see how everything works, right? Um, So the plan was... We basically made a big circle um, in the airspace of what for the power lines we were going to fix that day. Mm-hmm. Um, I got on the side of the helicopter and showed him how how to do things. Um, then we landed. We found a levee. Um, we were out in the marsh, so it was kind of a hard spot to find find hard ground mm-hmm. to land the bird. So me and me and that guy could switch, right? Yeah. Um, so I could sit in the back and train him a little bit more, let him get his hands on stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. He had done about two of them. And the third one we got to, um, everything was going really good. And that man just out of the blue, just, it took a turn for the worst. Um, kind of heard a pop mm-hmm. kind of sat down on the arm that we were hovering above. And then the next thing I remember, I remember trying to hold on to the side of the helicopter. I mm-hmm. got sucked out the passenger side of it. Um, and my lanyard was still attached to, we had six foot lanyards. Um, it got stretched out to eight feet. Um, so basically one of the, all of the blades broke off except for one of them. Wow. And it got, actually got bent over and come around and cut the tail boom off of the helicopter. And when it did, after it did that, it grabbed me from my lanyard mm-hmm. and it sucked me up and kind of wrapped me around that main rotor blade system. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So to basically say like I should not be living today. Yeah. Is I don't know, kind of an understatement, maybe. I don't know how you would really look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of our saving grace a little bit was landing in the marsh. Mm-hmm. It was pretty soft ground, um, but the guy I was training, we lost him in the crash. Um, the pilot survived. He walked away from everything. No, just a couple bruises, mm-hmm. and I think a couple broken ribs. Um, but man, when I tell you that God was in this all mm-hmm. the way, um, 
have you ever seen the flight helmets that help, that pilots wear? Yeah. I kind of cover the whole head, right? Yeah. Um, days leading up to the accident, there was only one on the on the job site. The morning of, two others showed up just out of the blue. Wow. And then we landed and we basically crashed in some some guys' backyards. And they weren't supposed to be there that day. They were supposed to be off at a race because they race cars. Yeah. And they had heard us working and they didn't hear us no more. So they come out to investigate to help see what was going on. Yeah. So it's crazy to think something that devastating. God was in it the entire time. Right. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, man, everything lined up, um, like you said, from them being there to help you out of that marsh to the helmet showing up. I mean, that's, you know, everybody wants to see a miracle. They're expecting a miracle, but if you're paying attention, you're going to see God's grace in everything and his mercy, you know? Yes. Um, Yeah. It's that, that's just an amazing story, brother. So when it wrapped you around the road or were you dangling, like, was it whipping you around? Yes. So, wow. um, So when it wrapped me around, it was about one and a half times. And the top of the plate is called a squash plate. Mm -hmm. So it gets pressed in there. I don't know with what ton press it does, but I mean, it gets pressed in there, right? Yeah. And then there was so much force that my lanyard had got wrapped in around in between that. It was actually peeling that apart. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was pretty, pretty intense. And I didn't obviously know that at the time, you know, after I saw pictures, but it was pretty intense to see that. And, you know, one of the last things I remember was like trying to hold onto the side of the helicopter. So I didn't get sucked out. Yeah. I remember my fingertips hurt real bad. Right. Yeah. And then I also, the last image I saw, cause it knocked me out uh-huh. and I don't know if it was, um, just a sudden jerk of my lanyard, you know, stopping or I actually still have the flight helmet too, that I was wearing that day. And yeah. there's a little dent in the back, um, that I basically got hit in the head too, with one of the, one of the blades spinning around. Right. Oh my gosh. Um, so probably the combination of those two is probably what knocked me out. But yeah, I saw the helicopter like falling slow motion and mm-hmm. me going backwards in slow motion. I, you know, separating mm-hmm. each other out. So that was like my last image I saw before I passed out. So what was the thoughts going through your brain when all that happened? Um, like the first thought, whenever we heard like the pop, I was like, man, well, we're, we're in a helicopter. Like we can, we can just sit here and hover. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, Cause I didn't think nothing else. And then when I saw it, like us separating out, I'm like, well, I guess this is kind of how I die. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, cause you, you hear stories all the time. Like, um, everything goes in slow motion. Yeah. You know, and that was, that was part of it. And I was like, well, I guess this is it, you know? So like I'm going 
my guess my thought process was, well, I'm going to heaven, you know, and they're going that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh, bro. That's crazy, dude. I can't even imagine. So was it pilot error? Or? Yeah, that's what the uh, NTSB and uh, the um, the other one. I can't remember it off the top of my head. I don't want to say Futures Farmers of America, so that ain't it, but FAA. Um, okay. They they determined that it was pilot error. So, pilot error. Yeah. Wow. Man, I had an incident similar like that in the late 90s. And uh, there's a good friend of mine. He was a corpsman. He was a, a force reconnaissance Marine. Um, okay. And uh, they were doing a shipboard takedown, what I believe. They had just put some new skirts on the ships to keep sailors from jumping off when they're going on Westpac. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't want to go on Westpac. So they would jump off the ships, right? So okay. they can, you know, not go on these uh deployments well they decided to put these nets to catch them to keep them from doing this stuff and uh anyhow long story short new pilot green pilot coming in here comes this high-speed low drag team force reconnaissance probably some of the best guys i've ever worked with Mm -hmm. coming up real uh you know as an over the horizon type deal coming up real close to the ship when he went up whatever reason they said he didn't uh calculate his um his uh rotors yeah and he went right into that netting and he got caught up oh, and no. all of them went down and mm. they are all strapped in with those four point harnesses and he oh. was able to get loose but he said man he said as soon as that helicopter hit the water created like a vacuum and it just yeah. started sucking him down and he said he could feel his his brothers just trying to grab at his boots the ones that didn't get free you know and he he wanted mm-hmm. to help him but he couldn't because it created a suction with the helicopter going down he said that the sky just disappeared in the water you know and it just started getting real dark and he just remembers hearing his brother screaming and it was horrible man it was awful to to hear him tell that story you know what i mean but crazy crazy how fast in a blink of an eye life can be just taken from you is what i'm getting at you know yeah yeah for sure how did how did that affect you brother like do you still have like if you don't mind me asking, do you still have like uh, nightmares and stuff like that, like survivor's guilt or anything? Um, I still got some survivor's guilt. They diagnosed me with uh, PTSD. Okay. Um, survivor's guilt adjustment disorder. So, mm-hmm. um, so the result of the crash is I had lost my left elbow. Mm-hmm. Um, so it basically shattered it out. Right. Yeah. And I was left-handed also. So trying to adjust to doing everything right-handed because, you know, I couldn't use my hand or my arm really. Um, So they diagnosed me with uh, PTSD adjustment disorder, survivor's guilt, um, because even though I wasn't in control, the type of person I am, like, I felt like I should have tried to save my buddy that we lost in the crash. Yeah. Um, Even though I couldn't have done nothing about it, right, you know? Yeah. So that that was probably the hardest thing. Um and I'm still working on it today. Um yeah. I don't know if I'll ever get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been in therapy um off and on. They've helped me out quite a bit. Um let's see, when I went so back then, let's see, it was twenty eighteen, so about twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. there was this new study that came out. It was called M D E R. Um yes. so yeah 
Um, so that really helped me out quite a bit with that, with that therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anybody's listening and they want to get in on that, I encourage them a hundred percent to get in on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that helped out quite a bit. So we, uh, did that and that actually just helped me understand, like I wasn't in control of things mm-hmm. and you know, what happened. So the best thing I can do is just try to focus on living my life and just remember the guy that we lost and the good things, you know, mm-hmm. and not focus on the bad. Mm. Yeah, no, that EMDR training is pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Um, great therapy. They use it for the trauma, right? Um, yes. I know uh, other veterans that are using that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great, uh, great way to deal with that, uh, trauma. You know, everybody thinks of trauma as, you know, something that happens to you while in war. It's not, you know what I mean? It could be from an abusive marriage, you know, mm-hmm. it could be from, uh, your, your father just totally just beating you up and stuff like that. And the, and the trauma from childhood, you know what I mean? It could be from, um, you know, a violent crime. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, I had an incident when I was younger where I got stabbed by a 21 year old and I was 14 and I never knew I needed any kind of therapy because we're taught, you know, you don't, uh, you don't cry. Right. Right, Yeah. But it started following with following me the whole entire time. You know, I got, I developed a chip on my shoulder. It started affecting my relationships, all this Mm -hmm. different stuff. You know what I mean? So I needed to go to, some kind of therapy and started to face that pain that I needed to, to deal with, you know, to overcome it. Yeah. That, that brings up a good point too, you know, cause so I saw one, one doctor mm-hmm. and you know, they, they just diagnosed me with like a adjustment disorder and survivor's guilt, nothing major. Right. Um, those are kind of like the, I guess the stepchildren or stepbrothers and sisters of PTSD. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I saw that doctor for probably about a month and mm-hmm. then I'm like, all right, you know, this really isn't going anywhere. So we kind of stopped seeing him. Well, my wife now, she, uh, she saw the signs of, you know, the outlashes I was doing to the family, you know, mm-hmm. taking, taking everything out on them. And, you know, they say that, you know, you take out, your hurt and your pain on the ones you love the closest ones to you. Right. Yeah. So, um, she basically put her foot down and was told me, she's like, you're either going to go get help again or I'm done. I'm walking out the door. Yeah. And we'd been married for about six years at the time. Mm -hmm. That really like hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like, Oh man, like, all right, I guess Mm -hmm. let's do it then. But then that's when I got introduced to that. MDR or MDR uh, treatment mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it, I'm telling you, it really helped me out quite a bit. So I'm I'm glad that she did that to you because I did a podcast with Andy Marr. Uh, for those of you guys who aren't familiar with Andy Marr, he was on Joe Rogan's podcast. He works with the Warriors Angels Foundation and treatment for um, men that have had a traumatic brain ish, uh, trauma. Right. Okay. And, um, the whole 
podcast premise was uh, fathers who suffer from PTSD, right? How they are able to transfer that to their children. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example. There was a study from the University of Austin that had this one U.S. Marine who came back from war. And uh, needless to say, he took his daughter, beautiful day, like a father should, father-daughter outing, took her to the zoo. Well, the guy had a breakdown at the zoo, right? Mm-hmm. He started going into full panic mode, um, totally just abandoned his daughter, crawled up underneath a vehicle, and was just in complete, utter disarray, right? Um, that left his daughter feeling abandoned. And the the issues that go along with that, you know, one minute daddy's with you, next minute daddy's crawling up underneath the vehicle, freaking out. And you don't know what to do when you're that age. You know what I'm saying? So it is so important and imperative that fathers, we need to handle, we need to take care of ourselves, man. We do. We need to really, really get the help. That way we don't, transfer there's a saying that i i got from one of our uh, podcast guests and he said that pain transfer or pain that's not transformed is transferred and it's absolutely true yeah yeah that is true yeah well and it's so hard too because as men you know Mm -hmm. i'm i'm 40 almost 40 years old so you know we were taught never talk about our feelings you know Mm-hmm. be a man man up you know you'll be all right you'll be fine so we never talked about it you know so yeah i think that's probably the hardest thing is trying to get get my two boy or my boys now to tell me what's on their mind you know let's talk it out and stuff and see what's wrong and how we can fix it mm-hmm. yeah what have you seen that's helped you do that like do you feel that just them building trust in you and they're able to open up or what yeah. have you seen? I would say the trust. Yeah. Showing trust. them that even though you have to come down hard on them, you know, yeah. sometimes as a father, then maybe revisiting it like 30 minutes later, maybe an hour later and having a calmer conversation with them, like mm-hmm. letting them know your side of things and then trying to figure out their side of things of, how I got to that point, you know, when mm-hmm. you had to be hard on them. So, cause it, sometimes, you know, we, we see it as them being disobedient to us as fathers. Right. But yeah, in all reality, um, everybody's different. Right. So mm-hmm. they kind of work on their schedule a little bit compared to our schedule mm-hmm. as fathers. So trying to, well, you know, like I said earlier, you know, taking bits and pieces and making it your own, right? Your own yeah. life and stuff. So trying to show them, hey, you know, sometimes when mom asks you to do something, you know, it's easier just to get up and do it, especially with the wife, you know, because she's not happy, ain't nobody happy. So <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so yeah, just trying to figure out how they're thinking and stuff and mm-hmm. seeing what's really important to them. Cause whether it's like picking up their room or something like that, you know, they may not think it's very important at Mm -hmm. that moment, but trying to just turn their perspective a little bit to show them like, Hey, you know, it is important to, you know, keep a room clean or take the trash out, you know, whatever the case is, you know? Yeah. No, we're, and we're training them too. It's the whole, the whole point of it is all training. You know what I mean? Yes. 
you know. So, so it's just I, like your line or your apprentices, you know, you're training them day in and day out, you know. So it, it rolls into the family. Yep. It does. Boys and you know, your daughters and stuff. So yeah. Mm, no, I like that you said that because I, I agree with you hundred percent. Training apprentices is no different than training your kids. Right. You know I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's consistency that works. You know what I mean? You got to consistently be on them and not lecturing them all the time. Cause that could, that could, uh, that could, you know, that can damage a kid. Right. Right. But, um, yeah. Being able to judge where they're at and seeing yes. what they need at that moment. Are they confused? You know, cause if they're confused and you're yelling at them, I mean, what do you think's going to happen? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know if I was in that position, I wouldn't want to get up and do anything, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I would just like soul up. I'm like, I'm doing it till you stop yelling. Mm hmm. Especially for them strong-willed kids, because they will yeah. not. <laughs> if they're strong-willed, they will just lock up, and they're gonna go into battle with you, you know. And um, yes, yeah, it, it's crazy, you know. And those strong-willed kids, we got to understand that they are a gift from God, and that's a gift God gave them, and they are natural leaders. Right. In this world, everybody wants to be a leader. Well, they are natural leaders, and that's why they question everything. And we got to yes. see that, you know. Yeah exactly yeah now you talked about faith and how it seemed to have this uh, significant role in your life brother can you share with us how your faith in god helped you to navigate your recovery process bro if you don't mind yeah um man it's been it's been tough you know mm -hmm. at times because you know romans eight twenty eight um yeah. has been probably one of my best uh verses that i stick with day mm -hmm. in and day out um and it's all things work together for those that that love god right and yeah. called according to his plan so that's probably been the best thing that has helped me stay out of the trenches and mm -hmm. down that dark road with this um with my accident and you know seeing how my family my wife and kids have actually loved me through mm -hmm. this and encourage me um you know you know i mentioned that i was left-handed and basically my left my left arm had taken the hit you know and been affected yeah so struggling to do everything right-handed has been one of the biggest overcome you know obstacles i had to deal with too right mm -hmm. and the simplest things i mean butter and toast you know or trying to cut something I mean, I still struggle with it today, um, but it's just become a part of my life now. Yeah. Um, but we recently, um, before the accident, I was working mm. out quite a bit, right? And then after the accident, you know, I hadn't worked out at all. And so we started working out together as a family again and seeing them be there with me and encouraging me. Yeah. You know, it's really helped out. So I really feel like, God has placed my wife with me for the long haul. You know, mm -hmm. we, uh, we both recently been divorced. Um, so it's kind of a blended family. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I said, Romans eight twenty eight, man, it, it all works out together for the good, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's just trying to stay positive, find the good in it, 
you know, is the hardest, is the hardest thing. But once you slowly see the good in it, um, mm-hmm. bits and pieces of it, it's really helped me out quite a bit, you know, mm-hmm. from those guys, you know, being there on that Sunday that when they wasn't supposed to be there. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when my family had got the call, you know, that the helicopter went down, um, usually I was on the side of it working. So she got the call that the bird had went down and somebody was missing. Mm-hmm. So immediately they thought it was me. So for an hour and a half, they thought it was me. Right. Yeah. Um, so I can just imagine how she felt. Um, so they, they made the journey down to new Orleans where this happened at and mm-hmm. you know they would go out to eat at dinner time and stuff like that you know kind of let me rest at night and one of the waitresses at one of the local restaurants um you know she had seen like god was tugging on her heart to mm-hmm. um present a rosary to my wife i mean we're southern baptist but you know yeah. um but this waitress, she's like, hey, like, here's this rosary. Like, this has helped me out quite a bit. And I feel like God is telling me to give it to you now. And so, you know, but, you know, like I said before, with God being in this whole incident, accident, you know. Yeah. Just as the story involves, you can just see it constantly of God was showing up, you know, here and there to, I guess, help lessen the blow. Yeah. of the accident a little bit maybe no i've uh i've heard of similar stories and uh i've experienced that myself to where it's almost like god's with you you know when he's walking through that with you right he's constantly reassuring you as a father right it's scary we don't know you know the end result but he's there with you every step of the way and it's almost like he's putting these little breadcrumbs to be like don't worry i got you I yes. got you. I'm here with you. Yeah. You know, and we don't understand why. We can never understand why. You know, the Bible says that uh, though we look through a stained glass, right? Everything's going to mm-hmm. be revealed to us when we are called to meet our maker, you know, and he'll show us the big picture, right? Um, His ways are not our ways. That's something that I always tell people when they ask the question, why? Mm-hmm. You know, we may not ever understand why. But we right. can trust, according to Romans 8.28, mm-hmm. that he will cause all things to work for good for those yeah. who are in Christ Jesus, right? And called according to his purpose. So your purpose isn't done, brother. You're still here. Right. You got a story that you're sharing now, and you're called mm-hmm. to bring hope with that, you know? Right, yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been on my mind for quite a while, you know, to mm-hmm. get this out. You know, because, you know, there's news articles and I mean, you know how, how the linemen are, right? It's telephone, yeah. telegraph, telelinemen. And right. it's the telephone game, right? So by the time it gets back to you, you know, somebody was doing backflips out of the helicopter, you know, trying to see, see what could happen. Yeah. Um, so I want the story to be out there. What, what truly happened, you know, and also show that, you know, God's real, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people don't believe in him. I mean, let's just be honest, but yeah, seeing like how I should have died, like 
I should not be living today um, and have a functioning left arm, mm -hmm. you know, to me, that shows God's real. I mean, truthfully. Yeah. No, and even just having your family come together and support you during your recovery, you know, I mean, that yeah. had to definitely impact your, your healing journey as well, you know? Yeah, I did quite a bit, you know, cause here's the thing, you know, God or my wife, she's like, you know, she stuck through me. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's be honest. She didn't have to. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, I was a lineman. I was making a lot of money, you know, taking care of the family. Mm -hmm. Well, I took about a 50, $60,000 pay cut you know, to go into the safety side of things, you know, to be able to stay in the trade. Um, yeah. So that's huge for a family, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So for her to stay by my side, you know, that really, really showed me she was in it for the long haul, you mm -hmm. know? So, and the kids encouraging me to get out there and play catch with them or basketball, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and there's times that I'd tell them, no, I can't do that, you know, but, I need to get out of that mindset, yeah. you know, then show them like, Hey, you know, I can still do this. And that's just part of God's work. God's plan, you know, mm -hmm. is this, you know, show them like, no matter how difficult life can get, you know, whatever the devil tries to throw at us, you know, God's still real. He's in there for us and, mm -hmm. you know, he's going to make it all work out. Amen. I agree a hundred percent brother. Now, you said you went into the safety side of this, you know, so advocating for safety is now a mission of yours. Yeah. Like what are some of the steps you've taken to raise awareness about safety to make a positive impact that you've, you've done, bro. So one of the things I tell all my linemen and apprentices that I deal with day in and day out mm -hmm. is it's not, if it's when something okay. will happen out there. Right. Um, so we need to build the capacity. We need to make sure our job sites are safe. So when that something happens, mm -hmm. you guys can go home and hug your family, you know, because mm. I don't want anybody else's family to get that phone call that I, my family got right. Yeah. And the unknown for an hour and a half, you know, that was the hardest part in my opinion, you know, mm. I mean, we've all, we've got these safety rules in place for a reason, right? They're written in yeah. blood. I mean, let's be honest though. Nobody, nobody likes them. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I was on the line, I, I knew about them. I followed the safety rules a little bit, but I thought I was invincible, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, kind of with that statement, looking back a little bit, I feel like it was God, you know, humbling me a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. showing me that I wasn't, that I'm not invincible. And in what really matters, I mean, yeah, let's face it, money matters a little bit, but what really matters is your family at home, you know, yeah. especially when you're traveling um, and out away from them for 40, 60, 70 days, you know, whatever the case is. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I really try to get that into their head. It's like, look, you can be the best lineman, the best apprentice. Mm -hmm. it's the person next to you that could make a mistake and could affect your life, you know, because honestly, and I don't blame the pilot one bit, mm -hmm. you know, whatever ha it happened. Um, but I wasn't in control of the helicopter. 
and I'm like a bystander, you know, of the result of someone else's mistake, you know? So I try to get that in their head and it's hard sometimes because linemen are stubborn, right? They're hard headed. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, like when they truly see it and it's someone they work with like close to them, when they hear about an accident, and I think it turns on a light bulb for them. Yeah. No, we never understand the impact that we have, you know, when we decide to, well, even if it's a mistake, you know what I'm saying? Literally right. yeah. cutting corners. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, just think about that. That pilot walked away from it, but yet he has a fatality and an injury. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And he's got to live with that, you know? Yeah. He has to explain to that man's family i messed up mm-hmm. and as a result your husband your son your 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 father your whatever isn't coming home today yeah that yeah. sucks bro oh yeah and i me and the pilot talk you know about once a month once every couple of months you know still and mm-hmm. you know he he constantly tells me he's sorry um but i I tell him like, Hey, look, like it happens, you know? Yeah. And it was funny too. I don't know if it's really funny, but you know, we talk about the good and things, right? Yeah. So he wasn't a Christian before the accident mm-hmm. and while we're laying out there in the swamp, um, waiting on somebody to come out there and get us, you know, and I, I can tell I'm on the verge of dying. Um, knocking on death's door, my mouth is really dry, you know. Um, I don't know if you would call it crying out or yeah. just a loud voice, but I'm like, God, please don't let me die out here, you know, multiple times, right? Yeah. Um, and then probably a year later, the pilot texts me and tells me that he got saved and he's read the book, the Bible about three, three or four times front to back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that really, really touched my heart, you know, quite yeah. a bit. So, cause like having the conversations with him before the accident, like mm-hmm. about God a little bit and knowing like I knew he wasn't saved. Um, and I'm not one to push God on anybody, you know, if, yeah. if God opens up the door, you know, I'll, I'll talk about it, but it's nothing that I'm going to like use the Holy Bible and beat somebody with it. Right. You know? Right. Um, so that him coming to God and getting saved and stuff, you know, that really, really touched my heart quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, you never know what the, how God's going to use an incident like that, something that we deem tragic for his glory. Right. Right. Yeah. So no, that's, that's, that's amazing. That's awesome that he did come to the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, you know, um, chance we mentioned that you're a father for, and now a new grandfather. How is your perspective on fatherhood and family evolved through all these different life challenges that you had to go through, bro. How does it changed? Um, when I was on the line, uh, uh-huh. 
I would stay working constantly. Um, only come home, like just for major holidays. I'd miss a lot of birthdays, you know, mm-hmm. but cause I thought the thought process I had was, well, if I make enough money, then I'm supporting the family and I'm making them happy. Right. Mm-hmm. Not understanding the backside of that where you know you're missing football games baseball games birthdays you know stuff like that mm-hmm. we were able to come home on christmas and thanksgiving you know stuff major holidays mm-hmm. so i think now after the accident it's changed my perspective quite a bit you mm-hmm. know being there for them you know instead of um saying no i've got to work you know you know understand showing them that hey family comes first no matter what you know because i mean let's be honest at the end of the day any company out there if something happens to us they're going to have our job posted by monday you know what i mean and our family is going to suffer for the rest of their lives you know because they don't have us as their dad you know the father there Mm -hmm. to help support them and be there you know to do family outings and stuff like that um so it was funny because my wife told me as i was laying there in the hospital bed she's like you're gonna start taking family vacations whether you like it or not (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so once i got healed up we went we took our first family vacation together and that was probably the best decision that i was forced into so no, man, that's, that's amazing. You know, how your perspective has changed and, you know, you were able to listen to your wife when she says you need to make these changes, you need to start going on vacation and stuff like that. You know, that's a, that's a heart that's humbled. Yeah. You know, I, I know for me, when I went through what we had to go through in our relationship, when I almost lost my wife in 2018, Mm-hmm. Um, be prior to that, I didn't want to hear anything, you know, it was like, oh, what do you want from me? I'm paying all the bills. This is as good as it's going to get. That's it. You yeah. know, stop, stop complaining. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and then yeah. all of a sudden, you know, a tragedy like that happens that God allows and it changes your whole world around. It just, it just, it's almost like someone's pulled the sheet off of your table. Yes, and it's like there's nothing you can do you could fight against it you can complain you can take up a a victim mentality and woe is me or you could submit to the process and just be like all right god i'm tired of fighting you i submit your will be done not mine right we all know that prayer that's a crazy thing since since we were born, right? We've all heard the Our Father, who art in heaven. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we were praying that, one of the key components in there is Your will be done on earth, right? It's not our will; yes. it's His will. And a part of His will sometimes has this process that we got to go through, and we may not like that process. No, and it's the hardest prayer to pray. Mm-hmm. If we're being honest with each other, right? You know. Yeah it's easier said than done, you know, cause I mean, if you don't truly mean it, mm-hmm. then his will won't be done for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a hard prayer to pray for sure. 
Mm -hmm. One of the things I always liked that I've always heard, and it sticks with me when I read the Bible, is that God is looking for someone he can bless. Mm, Yeah. Right? Like, he's literally looking. He's looking for people he can bless, dude. Mm -hmm. You know, and God blesses obedience, not sacrifice. You know, I used to justify providing for my family and doing all this stuff and saying, I'm making sacrifices. I'm making sacrifices for my family. And it's like, dude, God doesn't require sacrifice. God requires obedience in all aspects of our life. Right. Yeah. And I think that's something that needs to be taught more. Mm -hmm. Because we all say, I'm sacrificing. I'm going to church on Sunday. I'm sacrificing or I'm tithing. I'm sacrificing. You know, and it's like, man, God don't want that. God wants obedience, brother. Yeah. You know, if you're faithful with a little bit, you'll be faithful with more. Right. Right. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, too, you know, he he didn't call it. He called the not the best people. Right. Mm-hmm. In the Bible, he called the ones that were heathens. Right. He, you know, so linemen. Crazy. Yeah. Linemen, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. So, and that's what something some people don't understand a little mm-hmm. bit in in my opinion is that they don't understand that god called didn't call the uh the most spiritual people no you know because he uses the ones that are rough around the edges mm-hmm. to do the works of him and it's easier to do that way mm-hmm. in my opinion you know um when i was traveling quite a bit um I'd go to the bars and drink. Yeah. It was crazy because I don't really like to tell this story, but you know, God's telling me to tell it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's in, in the bar and stuff. And just out of the blue, this guy comes over and we start talking about God in the bar of all wow. things, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you don't think God would use an area like that, but he does. It's, it's nuts, man. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, especially when he's trying to get a hold of you. You know, it's like yeah. a it's like a check engine light. Right. There's all these yeah. signs, you know, and if you don't adhere to that check engine light, something drastic's gonna gonna happen. You know. Exactly. Yes. It's yeah. uh it's paying attention to detail. You know, it's something that it we're is. taught in the military, it's something that I teach from indoctrination, from uh the apprenticeship, you know, at the beginning, I, I stress, stress, stress. Anybody knows me, I stress paying mm-hmm. attention to detail. And that's in all aspects of your life. It is. Yeah, most mm-hmm. definitely. Now, is there any specific moments or experiences during your recovery journey that kind of stand out to you, particular impactful or transformative or anything? That you can um, I would say probably um, I got a couple tattoos after okay. the accident and one of them is perseverance and the other one is resilience right mm. um and they kind of in my opinion they kind of go hand in hand with each other a little bit mm-hmm. right um so from basically being on my deathbed you know and the perseverance of overcoming and not going down that dark road that 
I mean, I could have got addicted to pain pills. I mean, I was on all sorts of different things, right, for pain. And so just having that mentality and that drive to be in those spots on that dark road for a little bit, but then quickly going back, you know, turning back around and getting out of those dark spots and trying to find the good in things, you know, again. So mm-hmm. it was funny because I had asked my pastor one time, I'm like, is it okay to question why, you know, why me, right? Yeah. And at, to ask God. And he's like, yeah, it's okay. You know, you, you can do that. But don't do it as a blaspheme type of deal, right? And yeah. curse God of why why it happened, right? You know, and I may find out on earth. If not, I'll find out when I cross those pearly gates, right? Yeah, right. And <laughs> figure out then. Um, so yeah, those are those would probably be the um the things that stick out the most, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And then, you know, also like showing my kids it's okay to struggle with some things, you know, in life. And and even my wife, you know, you know, showing her that it's okay to struggle. Um, but eventually, you know, you gotta put on your big boy pants and, you know, move on. You know, don't don't stay there, you know. Yeah. Just keep pushing. That's all you can do. Mm, no, I agree with you can't stay in that victim state forever you know we gotta persevere like you said and uh move forward um right yeah it's a uh, life is hard you know there's gonna be so many challenges and struggles that we're gonna go through and it's all about our perspective right mm-hmm. and how we're gonna we're gonna go through it right are we gonna go through as a victim or a victor right yeah and I know I would rather be the victor because, mm-hmm. I mean, you see so many people out there play the victim card so much. It's like the boy that cried wolf, right? Yeah. At some point, no one's going to pay attention to him. Nope. Absolutely. And you see that everywhere. I mean, gosh darn, dude. We have so many groups out there that are calling for this, calling for that. And it's like, man. If you only knew who you truly were, right? You know, what happened to you back then mm-hmm. shouldn't determine where you're at now. You have a, yes. a chance to change that, right? And I even liken that to even like parenthood, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we can't continue to use that excuse. Well, this is how my dad showed me. This is all I know. Right. The battles that we choose to to run away from and not face and, and conquer are the battles that our kid we're passing those down to our children, dude. And they're going to have to stand yep. up, right? It's, it's generational curses. You know, if, if alcoholism runs in your family, guess what, dude, someone's going to have to fight that battle. Yep. They are, you know, and if you choose to run away from it and cower away from it, guess what? Your kids are going to be dealt with that. It doesn't mm-hmm. go away. no, and doesn't you know, at all. We're going to have to face it. We can't keep running. Yeah, exactly. Now, what is a bit of advice you can tell somebody right now who's going through it, especially during this time, this holiday season that's coming up, brother, if they're feeling low 
Is there any kind of message you want to give somebody right now? I would say there's a couple of things, right? Mm-hmm. One, keep fighting through the struggles, you know, keep fighting the good fight, you know, because it's going to pass, you know, they're just saying this too shall pass. And that's yeah. true. Right. Um, and the storm won't last forever. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, when God, God was talking about in the Bible, it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights, you know, can you imagine what type of storm that was back then? Right. Right. And then, you know, telling Noah to build an ark, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the earth is going to flood. So it's crazy. Right. And yeah. Um, just stay, stay fighting. You know, um, my grandma recently died about 10 years or so, you know, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and those little Bible, uh, inserts that, you know, you have, you have the, um, the obituary on the back. So we put on, on her thing, this, um, this quote, and it's so true. Um, God doesn't, didn't promise days without pain, right? Mm-hmm joy without sorrow or some without rain but god did promise strength for the day comfort for the tears and light for the way and those who believe in his kingdom of love he answers their faith with his peace from above so Mm. you know that's i've always wanted to get that tattooed on me somewhere um because it's so true especially the first first few sentences in that you know you're gonna have pain but it's not gonna last last forever yeah. you know it's gonna be sun and then there's gonna be rainy days but guess what it's not gonna last so i would say man just keep on fighting it's all you mm-hmm. can do um there will be light at the end of the tunnel you know mm. it doesn't seem like that at, at first but there will be amen brother you guys hear that this is from chance such an awesome time to have him come on here and tell his story of resilience and how he survived, you know, going through his traumatic injury and choosing to be a victor, not a victim. I hope you guys uh, have a wonderful holiday season coming up. And like Chance said, man, this too shall pass. Just like the sun rises and sets every single day, rest assured what you're going through isn't going to last forever. You got to see that guys. This is Dave from the Show Up Dad with my special guest, Chance, here. We love you guys. You guys take care. Take care of those beautiful families. And uh, Chance, if there's any way they can get a hold of you, if they have any questions, give you the opportunity right now to share that with our audience, if you don't mind. Yeah, I'm on uh, I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, type in my name, Chance Mills. Or should be able to find me. If not, you guys can reach out to me via text. Um, my phone number is 417-576-5868. I'll be happy to go into more detail. I'm a great listener. Um, if somebody's struggling with something, you know, mm-hmm. that's the hardest part is like finding someone to talk to. Yes. You know, in my opinion. So talk about your problems, you know, get help the best you can. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you once again, brother. God bless you. And thank you for coming on and sharing what you do to be successful. And uh, we appreciate you. We'll be talking to you soon. Thank you. God bless you.